Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. So the first of the environmental announcements are just a few. So for May, the first is International Day of Biological Diversity, otherwise known as World Biodiversity Day, and it's on May the 22nd. Next is World Turtle Day, which is on May the 23rd. And then third is European Day of Parks, and that is on May the 24th. Headlines from the Hemispheres is our next segment, and uh, it is just, you know, environmental news all across the globe, and it's one of the fun um, segments that we have here in Greener Thoughts. You know, you're all listening. And so the first topic is out of Canada. And so it talks about temperature and the coronavirus being spread. So Canadian study finds temperature latitude not associated with COVID-19 spread, the coronavirus. So it was out of ScienceDaily.com and it was in the science news section. And I really liked that um, this was, you know, nearby, you know, in Canada, and it comes out of a, a medical journal, the Canadian Medical Association Journal, and it's talking about the coronavirus. So this study was really interesting because it did something different, and it, it looked at uh, geopolitical areas, um, about 150 of them, but approximately exactly um, 144. And these were states and provinces everywhere, like in different places. So in the United States, in Australia, and in Canada itself, um, and the various other uh, countries around the world. And it was totaling the number of cases confirmed in those places. So uh, that was about 375,600 confirmed uh, coronavirus cases in all these geopolitical areas. And um, a few countries weren't in the study, though, so they weren't looked at. Places like China, um, Italy, um, Iran, Iran, as people sometimes will call it, um, and South Korea. These were excluded um, because either they were waning in their cases um, um, or they um, uh, they weren't in the full disease outbreak at the time of the analysis like other countries were. And then they went ahead and they estimated the uh, epidemic growth and then they compared the numbers of cases uh, on March the 27th with cases a week prior 
to on March the 20th. And then they determined uh, influences like latitude and temperature, humidity, uh, school closures and restrictions of mass gatherings, social distancing protocols, and all those things. And they measured them from the March uh, 17th, 7th period to uh, March the 13th. So about six days or so. And they found that there was little association in ties between the latitude or temperature of the epidemic growth of the coronavirus. And there wasn't much of an association with even humidity um, and reduced transmission. So warm weather did not affect the spread of the virus. And the researchers, they did find that things like public, public health measures, um, school closures, which you may be familiar with, social distancing, all these things, um, restricting and not having large gatherings, uh, other types of protocol, those things have been effective in controlling the spread of the virus. And if you want to read up on it a bit more, then the research is named Impact of Climate and Public Health Interventions on the COVID-19 Pandemic, a Prospective Cohort Study and it was published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Next is about the pandemic and about carbon emissions. So our pandemic habits cut carbon emissions, but it's not clear they'll last. And that was from NPR.org. I loved that the news piece here was a bit... Um, of the short kind where you can listen to uh, the reporter and them talking to some of the interviewers and people in the piece. And um, just U.S. energy is really down, especially with the carbon uh, dioxide emissions. Uh, they were projected to actually decrease um, extraordinarily, uh, you know, 11%, which is, you know, it's a good percentage uh, for the year 2020. And this was... Um, from the Energy Information Administration's May Short-Term Energy Outlook, so for the month of May. Um, but this may not last long, unfortunately. And the agency thinks that emissions will rise again in the year uh, 2021, uh, about 5%, um, because once the stay-at-home orders are lifted, you know our economy is going to, of course, begin to recover a bit more. So these effects are going to be, um, you know, felt widely and uh, things like schools opening or when local officials are going to open up other public areas or have certain events, you know, those things are still to be determined on a wide scale in, in different places, even around the world probably. Um, last thing is that uh, online shopping, which is amazing, or even ordering food inside, that will definitely uh, continue to happen. And when it does happen, that's amazing because it leads to lower energy consumption among companies like UPS. And then last but not least, the third headline is about human travel in the in the implications um, around uh, smartphone data. So pretty cool stuff. So accurate mapping of human travel patterns with global smartphone data. So this was from uh, phys.org, phys as in physics or physical, and it was out of uh, research done in the U.S. in Boston, in, uh, which is in Massachusetts, and then also in England. 
And so um, travel is extremely important. You may not think about it, but even in the time of the coronavirus, where we go matters. So understanding understanding travel um, amongst people tells us so, so much. And we are able to learn things like economic development and where to establish uh, new areas of movement, um, urban planning, uh, responses to natural disasters, wars and conflict, disease, outbreaks like the pandemic itself, and so much more. So how do humans move? What does that mean? And, and where do we go uh, Where when we travel? Well, uh, two data scientists decided to explore this and the scientists there was a group of them they were from uh, the Boston Boston Children's Hospital and also from the University of Oxford and they were up for the challenge and so they aggregated data specifically uh, weekly uh, human movement data from Google location uh, data back in uh, 2016 so they captured the movements of 300 million uh, mobile phone users, you know, people who have cell phones, and they tracked them from almost all the countries of the world. And they estimated that they captured um, 65% of inhabited land uh, space, representing about 2.9 billion people. So that's almost 3 billion people. That's larger than any other study similar to it. So with the data, it showed several amazing things. It showed that human movements and how we move uh, traditionally peaked around times like Easter and the Hajj and in the U.S. Uh, uh, times like uh, during Thanksgiving and around that time. There were also uh, points where movements were even greater um, with um higher populations of people and those who use their smartphones a lot. So if there were bigger um, uh, levels of people in a, in a space and they all had cell phones, they were able to track that. Also, weather patterns affected travel patterns, which uh, makes sense. And then last but not least, in certain countries, like in Syria, there were cross-border uh, labor migrations, um, and other types of migration flows there and in other countries, especially during times of crises. So this topic is going to be a bit more fun and we're going to learn a bit more about some of the plants I've known about I'd say half or so of these, uh, give or take, and some of them I still uh, have, you know, you know where where I live, and I, I uh, see them every day, and I try and take care of the ones that I have, um, and some of the ones I've had, you know, when I was like, you know, a, a, a little one, when I was like a preteen and growing up in the house, and like it was great you know seeing all these plants and trying to take care of them and it was great time so i figured to kind of uh, diversify topics a bit and whether you live in a cold part of the world a warm part um, if you live in a place where you can take care of a plant then this episode is ideal if you want to learn more about uh, greening your space uh, you want to have a green thumb or you're interested in giving plants to other people or maybe having a nursery or you just want to uh, learn about a new topic, then I would love for you to listen in. 
this is going to be great and we're going to cover the common names of the plants themselves and not necessarily the botanical names because um, I would definitely you know unfortunately mispronounce them all day and that would be horrible to sit through but uh, we're going to talk about also the light needs of the plants and how much light did they need like sunlight and then a little bit about the plants themselves. So this is going to be fun and we're going to talk about the plant power preserve, the little cute title uh, for this uh, piece right here. And we're going to dive into the first one, which is a snake plant or mother-in-law's tongue. Shout outs to all the mothers-in-laws out there um, and who, you know, maybe are offended by the title. Unfortunately, I can't control that. It's just what it's called. Um, funny enough, but... Um, that is a little bit of some shade to mothers-in-laws, which is messed up that whoever created um, the plant name did that. But if you feel that you don't like the name, just call it the snake plant. It needs low amounts of light and it is great because it's a standalone um, plant. It's classic. Um, you may have seen it before and all you have to do is take care of it with its potting. The first thing is that you have to make sure that it's potted correctly. And so uh, you have to make sure that the snake plant um, is in the right size pot. And that um, it's not in a huge giant pot that's too big for it. Or it's not uh, totally conf confined um, in a pot that's too small. Because you want the roots to grow and you want it to grow big and tall. So uh, with that, just um, gauge the size of the plant itself. So if it's tiny give it a tiny pot. If it's huge and it's growing and it's feet long, make sure you have a big and sizable pot. This is really a golden rule for all types of plants, but especially for a plant like the snake plant. Number two is the uh, palm, palm lore, a parlor palm, or the uh, Nintha Bella palm. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I tried. So it also needs low amounts of light. And if you're new to plants, then this is probably the one for you. So the parlor palm is great because it's really, really popular and it gets to be a large type of house plant and it can reach a few feet when it's fully grown and it has amazing texture of its leaves that are bright green and it's a pretty awesome indoor plant if you like um, the idea of something that needs low light and can grow pretty sizable then the parlor palm is the plant for you. Number three is the spider plant and it needs low or um, medium amounts of light so medium and it grows mainly outdoors if it's warm enough. So a place like uh, Brazil or Mexico or even the Caribbean or someplace else, maybe um, in another tropical environment or something like that, then it'd be perfect um, to grow outside. But um, if it's, for example, not a warm climate or if it's you know too damp or too cold outside or if it's wintry uh, most of the year, then, you know, try to get another durable plant that can sustain um, the temperatures of that sort or just um, rely on it as a, a house plant. So the spider plant is great indoors or out. 
um, and it's really native to uh, South Africa and is extremely forgiving when it comes to missing while uh, watering it. So, you know, just uh, keep an eye on it. But if you do miss days when you're watering it, just be sure to um, not fret because it can definitely survive um, without watering it constantly. Number four is the rubber plant. So with the rubber plant, it's great because it needs a medium amount of light, so not too much and not too little. And its natural habitat is really outdoors, but um, the um, plants, the parts of it um, can grow feet and feet and feet, like so many feet, like 50 feet high or so. So it's great outdoors. Um, but if you want to, you know, cut the leaves and maintain it, that, that that's fine as well. Um, but just don't overwater it because the leaves will fall off. So when you're properly caring for it, all you have to do is, um, you know, watch it grow. And when it's small, it can grow several feet over many, many years. Again, some of the taller, uh, you know, uh, plants can grow 50 feet or more, especially when it's in a good habitat. Number five is the Christmas cactus. And the Christmas cactus is uh, one that needs a high amount of light. And it's also known as the Easter or Thanksgiving cactus because it's um, a, a cool fact is that it can be passed down from generation to generation. Now, I don't know if you've heard of that or if it's been passed down, but it's a really cool tradition to maybe uphold and to you know start that in your family or um, you know, suggest that to a family friend or someone else who maybe loves plants to use a Christmas cactus. And it blooms in several different colors. It has leaves that are pink and orange and white, uh, those different colors. And it is really, um, unfortunately, it's hard to have the same type of uh, result of, of of leaves growing uh, after years and years, I guess because it just wants to slow down in its growth. But the plant, um, it needs some special type of maintenance, and it needs to be uninterrupted uh, in its in its uh, growth. As in, it needs parts where it's just dark uh, for about 12 hours every single night, uh, and that's what uh, care it needs. And then if you start this treatment in the fall, for example, so when it's, you know, great season for all these different things like, like Thanksgiving, etc., you're going to uh, have it bloom and see it bloom uh, just in time for Christmas. Number six is the croton plant, and that needs high amounts of light, and its leaves are in definitely uh, amazing colors like lime green and, and fluorescent red, deep purple, and bright orange. And if it drops its leaves, do not worry, that's normal. And don't get uh, in, in, a, in a fret about it um, because it is normal, but just make sure that it gets enough light that it needs and water it uh, every so often. Uh, number seven is the air plant. So the air plant is a plant that needs high amounts of uh, light as well. And it's an epiphyte and that means it doesn't need any soil at all. So that's uh, miraculous and that's something off your to-do list to not even worry about. 
so that's pretty um, useful because if you you know sometimes forget to water your plants then this is perfect because it doesn't need uh, any type of soil at all and for caring for the air plant all you have to do is lightly mist it uh, several times a week Number eight is the ZZ plant. The ZZ plant is also known as the Eternity plant and it needs medium amounts of light and this plant is extremely um, hard to find but it's easy to grow. So if you're able to buy it, go ahead and snag it because it is kind of rare to find. Uh, number nine is the, the Dracena. Um, plant and it needs uh, medium amounts of light as well and the um, the Dracena plant uh, is one that has uh, foliage foliage um, but it needs the the best uh, drainage system that you can have for it because if not its leaves and its its plant matter will get kind of soggy so make sure that it has enough drainage in the bottom of the plant where it's not totally holding all that water but other than that um, it's great and it's pretty easy maintenance for number 10 is the pothos uh, vining plant and it needs medium uh, amounts of light as well and it can grow essentially anywhere but um, really it's been around for a long time and you know any plant enthusiast has probably heard about it um, but it's often overlooked but it's pretty versatile and you don't have to worry about getting too many um, diseases like plant diseases and repotting it so just make sure it's in a great pot size a medium plant um, a, a planting pot or a large one or just if you are growing it and it's it's growing fast just make sure you pot it just once um, and then sort of gauge it and then you're good to go it should last you for quite a long time number 11 is English ivy so this one is a bit of a bad guy and it needs a high amount of light and it's a staple um, house plant it's 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 not so bad but it does get a bad rap because um, it's an invasive species you could um, use its leaves to grow in one place and then cut them off and then try to pot them in another place in another pot and then them grow as well um, or you could you know gift them to someone or, or get them from a friend and try to pot them yourself and again they are an invasive species so beware you know they will destroy native trees plants other things in the wild you know they can overtake um, certain things and they can get kind of ravenous um, so you know don't try to ever compost it never compost it because it will be a disaster number 12 is the jade plant the jade plant is uh, also known as the money plant and it also needs a high amount of light and it is not um, the money tree plant, which has a different botanical name, um, Pachera aquatica. I'm probably pronouncing that right, or maybe not, but I tried. And the jade plant has really thick leaves, um, and it's great for beginners. So for those who are new to 
um, pottery and, and making uh, pots for plants or just new to even having plants, even cactuses, uh, then the jade plant could be uh, a win-win for you. It makes a great gift and it's said to bring tons of luck and wealth to people. Number 13 is the peace lily. The peace lily is great because it needs low amounts of light and it's really easy to grow and to use it as a gift and to you know send it to someone but unfortunately um, it's prone to being uh, a plant that's overwatered. so please be gentle with it and it should last you a long long time number 14 is the wax plant now the wax plant needs high high amounts of light and it's pretty in pink and it's gorgeous the color is vibrant very soft um, very very pink and cute and just amazing and technically it's a vine and it's star shaped um, with its flowers and both its flowers and leaves are a bit waxy so you just have to take care of that and the plant itself and it will last you many many years um, as long as you take care of it number 15 is the Boston fern the Boston fern is one plant that also uh, you know varies in its light but it really needs low amounts of light really really low and it needs a cool place to be so not too hot definitely a um, place where it won't sweat um, and it needs high humidity um, and it needs to be indirectly um, uh, out of the Sun to grow uh, number 16 our last plant on the list is the aloe plant you may be familiar with this because it is pretty popular it needs high amounts of light and it's part of the succulent family and it's really fun to grow and anyone who um, lives in a place where maybe they are prone to bug bites or rashes or sun um, skin problems that have to do with the sun or maybe they get burnt easily um, or maybe they live in a beach area or maybe even a dry area where it's where it's tons of um, desert around then they probably are no stranger to the aloe plant the aloe plant takes years to mature so it's for those who are pretty patient and it takes even longer for um, aloe plants to even flower or even produce anything um, but it is a fabulous plant to gift to someone and uh, to take care of it's fun to grow so these are all the plants on the list so I'm going to get to my commentary in just a bit I gotta say I really love uh, being a plant person uh, plant mama plant lover whatever you want to uh, say as a as a nickname because plants are fun to grow it's fun to uh, you know dig in the dirt and to pick out a plant that just speaks to you and that you know you can take care of or learn something about it um, it can really be fascinating you could have as a hobby to plant um, plants like trees or 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 go to nurseries or just shop for plants that's an excuse to get out in nature that's an excuse to, to go, you know, online shopping and to fill your apartment, your condo, your home, uh, your, your backyard, your front yard with plants. Uh, I love growing plants for uh, many different reasons, mainly because I love uh, uh, growing them, um, but also because it embraces the inner uh, need for me to be closer to nature. I feel like 
I'm not so, um, even being contained uh, during the coronavirus, like I'm able to take care of something and to watch it prosper. Uh, even though, you know, I'm, I mainly stick indoors uh, most often the, the time or work indoors or uh, just tend to, you know, operate that way. And with plants, it like, it breaks up the routine. And it's, it's great because you feel like you are mastering something. You feel like uh, you are, are gaining new skills. You gain patience. Uh, you learn to uh, seek out new solutions to a problem for something you may not have known about, like learning about how much to water a plant, how much uh, uh, sunshine it's supposed to get, uh, making sure it's not uh, 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 near a cold um, areas uh, of the, the home or, or, or anything like that. Like, it's great. It's great um, just growing with the plant's needs. Um, and, and not having it die. Like that's the main goal is just not have it die. And, uh, I feel like, you know, being one with nature, it's, it's a great feeling because I think sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life, we forget that, um, you know, we live amongst, you know, birds and, and big animals and small animals and, and ocean creatures and, and we live in sync with them. You know, we, we have to not forget, um, that we are a part of this planet. We are, we are a part of all of these, these other life forms. We are a life form. Um, some say we are the ultimate life form. Um, you know, for those who, you know, may not believe in aliens, but I, I, I believe that us taking care of, of plants, um, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful relationship with plants, um, I feel like sometimes I'm, I'm releasing my inner, uh, Lorax, just taking care of any plant matter, you know, even, you know, composting, I feel an amazing feeling, you know, being really, you know, good at it and growing, um, over the years, it's been, it's been a long time, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I feel that it's, it's an, an amazing feeling. It's almost indescribable. Um, you know, seeing this lovely living thing grow from when it was like a seedling or like a little pod and and then in the dirt and then over you know days and months and years it cultivates into a matured plant um it's a it's a great feeling and especially when it's something like a little flower or it's something that can bear fruit or even a cactus itself and those grow you know big and tall you know it's something that you can be proud of that you help make because you were patient enough to you know, do your homework and do your due diligence and figure out how to, um, you know, make sure that that plant is, is matured and is healthy and isn't, you know, dying or in a, in a bad, uh, predicament. So I've had plenty of plants over the years, uh, from when I was like little and growing up, um, when I was like probably not even like, um, eight, nine, ten. Um, and growing up with plants around, there were like so many, um, you know, potted, uh, spaces around and they had plants of all different types. Um, and so some of them from the list, I actually remember some of them were actually ones that I grew up with and some I still, you know, have, um, or have had in the past. So like the number one, uh, plant is the snake plant. And my mom actually still has that plant, but it's a, it's a, um, it's a, a different size one, I think. Um, but it grows and it's amazing. It's, it's vibrant. 
um, it's long and tall. It's great because it, it doesn't um, need as much care as you think it does. But, you know, once you get it growing, um, it, will, it will stay with you for years and years. You won't have to worry about it. Uh, number two, the, ne the next one is the rubber plant. The rubber plant has huge, beautiful leaves, and they're so pretty because you can get them to shine so so quickly, and it lasts for a bit. So um, what my mom used to do was um, ask us to put, like, um, mayo mixes on them or just mayo and have them shine, and that mayo did a good job taking care of those rubber plant leaves, let me tell you. They would shine for a long time because sometimes if you're not careful, um, plants can get dusty and just get dirty, um, you know, because you're, you know, generally cleaning or sometimes, you know, some time may pass and they get dusty too. So you're going to have to dust them off and then, you know, uh, maintain them and make sure that they, you know, are watered and, you know, cut if, in, if there's any browning, anything like that. So with the rubber plant, I remember that specifically, um, when I saw the pictures of it, I was like, oh my gosh, I remember this plant. Um, and then the uh, third one, the uh, Jocena, uh plant, it has thin leaves. And I think I remember having it in my house at one time or another, but it not being a standout plant. Like I remember that it looks like a plant that could be um, almost like a common house plant. And I don't remember... Um, specifically um, anything special about it but I do remember its leaves and them being kind of like uh, regular kind of you know uh, leaves that you may think of when you think of a, a plant and them just not being unique enough I think I remember having that plant or at least seeing it um, in my lifetime and then the uh, fourth one the fourth plant I've had experience with is the English ivy. Now that plant is outside um, on the porch and it is, I want to say, it's a type of plant that definitely is invasive like like um, what we learned about, but it's also a nuisance because it can grow so much and so heavy and if you're not careful it will grow around other types of plants so you have to make sure whatever is around it that you try to either get rid of that or you cut it to size and have the English ivy not overtake whatever else is in your garden or space. And remember just to chuck it somewhere like in the woods or bury it or whatever you have to do. Make sure that the roots of it don't get towards other types of plants or uh, a patch of like vegetables or anything that you're growing because you don't want it to overtake them and, you know, ruin the other plant matter and plant life, or even trees. It can take down whole trees if you're not careful. Um, the other um, plant that I've um, had, actually, is the peace lily, and it's so pretty, um, but the leaves do have a, t a tendency to kind of fall. I think um, the, the, the chances of them um, really... Um, lasting can can vary but you do have to you know watch it you can't make sure it, it gets all this water and it's not tended to so um I, I think that whatever size you you get it to be make sure that you're keeping a watchful eye on it and you're not making sure that it's you know overwatered or anything like that because if we if, as we've learned it's um has the potential to be overwatered quite simply and then the last plant that I uh, one of the plants I've uh, recently um, 
had experience with is the aloe plant. I've used aloe leaves, but not necessarily the, like the plant itself. Uh, still great, still an awesome plant. Um, really great to take care of, and the leaves are amazing because all you have to do is just cut along the edges of it and then strip the green from um, the aloe inside the leaves, and you're, it's great. You just mush it or do whatever you want with the aloe. It has an awesome cooling effect. It's 100% natural. It's the way to go if you want something like an aloe plant. Um, for plants that I want in the future, I want an aloe plant uh, myself. I do want more cactuses or, or cacti. Um, and I, I need more in specific, you know, specifically like different types. I want to get into those more. Um, I like the rounded spiky kind and I, I want them to uh, grow and I need uh, a few you know different types and I'll see which ones I want to continue using and, and, and growing maybe a little collection. Uh, I do want uh, a rubber plant uh, of my own and definitely I want to cultivate the avocado plants that I already have and other plants um, that I get an eye on I will definitely be investing in them. I cannot wait. I love plants and just watching them grow. So uh, I definitely have an eye for plants and I'm a cactus girl. I love fruit plants. I love other types of flowers. Um, you know, a good house plant will do so much for where you live. It can liven, liven up a space. It can, you know, really green up a space, uh, clear air and add some vibrance and, you know, level up your place. So, you know, we've learned all these different houseplants and we're going to learn how to, you know, get uh, some of these uh, from different places, some tips uh, in the next segment. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we review in the next few minutes proactive things we can all do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. Now, the issue in the episode was that maybe we're not getting enough of these houseplants in use. Maybe we don't know where to find them or even where to find plants in general. So these tips are really great and quick. And some of these I've used to, you know, get houseplants for really, really cheap or even free or different types of plants, period. Um, and so we're going to look at the different types of tips. So the message is to just get engaged with these different tips. And if one doesn't work, try another, you know, share some with someone, you know, uh, these are really great and they are super easy. Of course, I try to make uh, most of the tips easy and attainable uh, for a wide range of everybody. So besides places like church, work, and school, you can definitely start off with number one of going to flea markets and yard sales for even free or discounted plants. Uh, definitely, you know, with uh, flea markets, especially uh, when the weather's uh, great outside and pretty and it's spring or or summer or even you know early fall um, there are people who are just shucking out everything that's on their uh, you know lawns for you to grab at and you know haggle for and those plants they're probably waiting to get rid of them so um, definitely take your fill and be sure to look out for those things uh, number two are garden tours now garden tours are for 
people who love um, greenery who want to go and check out maybe residential tours where there are beautiful neighborhoods or uh, the locals or um, plant enthusiasts they usually will hold these in the spring or fall and then um, you can purchase uh, tour tickets and usually you you can either um, buy the um, plants uh, uh, on the tour or maybe like in a in a, a shop somewhere or maybe uh, the enthusiast is selling some so those are some options uh, number three tip is to ask a friend or uh, to request that uh, you get one of these as a gift so you know maybe if your birthday is coming up or uh, for the holidays whatever holidays you celebrate um, then a plant could be a really great um, gift to you know put on your list or to just say you know I'm thinking of you know uh, this plant could you get it for me or um, something of that uh, nature so um, just having your friend or family member if they know that you love plants or love um, uh, green things or or want to have a greener thumb um, you know just asking for a plant um, shouldn't be too expensive uh, number four is to join a gardening club or environmental organization uh, for free and you'll usually uh, have um, free plants to you know uh, nab or do plant swaps or get these plants on sale uh, and it's great because you know being in the Sierra Club um, you do get discounts and perks on certain things and I was in a, at an event and it was in the spring and I it was over a few years ago um, and I was able to get a cactus a little small cactus and I named it Cacti um, and it was it was perfect and I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gotten that chance if I wasn't in the organization and went to that event uh, and it was free and it was it was great you know it gives you the chance to network to meet other people who love plants maybe love cactuses or um, who just love being outdoors this is a great space to meet new people to learn new things learn their tips you know go to their events get on their mailing list um, travel to where these events are and you'll definitely meet a lot of new people that you wouldn't have uh, you know seen or heard from or even met and all because of plants plants brought you all together uh, number five is to visit uh, different websites to sort of offer variety uh, in plants and you maybe will find something that you want or need uh, websites like plantcatching.com or like American societies that have um, the interest of plants and uh, other types of uh, uh, wildlife that are plants uh, or uh, cactuses or even rocks. Um, so places like the American uh, Conifer Society or the American Primrose Society or the Alpine Garden Society, um, the North American Rock Garden Society. Um, or even the Botanical Society of America, they have a they have a listing of international plant societies, organizations, resources. If you go to uh, botany.org and then go to outreach and then international, they have a huge list of all types of organizations across the globe. So for the listeners uh, internationally that are listening, of course, then you may definitely uh, take a peek at that and see all the types of different um, uh, organizations that maybe your country has um, and holds or the different events that it has as well. And then Cactus Mall is a great website too. 
cactus-mall.com and then go to clubs and for those who love cactuses or cacti um, like me then that's a great place too and it has um, different uh, uh, groups and, and I think all the states uh, last but not least the sixth uh, tip and last one is that you know if you don't know where to start or you're scared or, or maybe you um, have some idea of what you want but you don't know how much it will cost then maybe a subscription box is for you because you may love variety or you want something that's you know priced really really t- small and tiny and then you want to you'll want to commit at a later time you can definitely do that and so some of the um, boxes we're going to you know talk about and there's about seven of them that will definitely not disappoint so the first um, subscription for plants is called the Plant Club, and it runs at $24.95 um, a month plus shipping. And all these prices are in US dollars unless otherwise specified or if they're like international um, websites. And it uh, has other price plans too that you can check out all the info at theplantclub.com. Next is Urban Organ- Organic Gardener and it has prices as low as $5 a month and other prices uh, as well monthly and then they also have their membership option and they're available at, at um, urbanorganicgardener.cratejoy.com that's cratejoy, c-r-a-t-e, joy.com and then the next one is Easy Come Easy Grow which is a cute little name for their uh, website and brand and they have monthly packages starting as low as $11 and also at $16.50 respectively and these are all in uh, Australian uh, dollars and their website is easycomeeasygrow.com.au and then next is Succulent Studio which you can get two plants every month for $10 plus shipping and their subscriptions automatically renew and you can skip a month or you can gift any month to someone else or you can cancel at any time and the website is succulent.studio so s-u-c-c-u-l-e-n-t dot studio is their website next is my garden box my garden box has monthly uh, packages of uh, different uh, range prices so their monthly starts at $38.50 um, a month and then they have their three-month prepay option which is $112.50 uh, then they have their six-month prepay option which is $219 and then they have their uh, yearly prepay or 12-month prepay which is $426 so it's one of the more expensive ones and you can find out the packages at mygardenbox.com. Uh, next to last is Bloomin' Bins. And they have prices as low as $8 a month to $66 a month. And they are at bloominbins.com. Uh, bloominbin.com. And then uh, next is um, Succulents Monthly. So with succulents monthly um they either have they only have two different options there so they have their succulents with style and that's at um $18.95 and then uh, that runs to about $208.95 and then they have their premium mix collection 
at $28.95 to about $318.95. And these are at the website succulentsmonthly.com. Succulents, S-U-C-C-U-L-E-N-T-S, monthly. And all of those uh, brands are really amazing, uh, different prices. So, you know, there's always something you can find. And it's great. Um, so if you have a, you know, uh, a price in mind, then, you know, set your sights on those uh, websites. And for those that are a little bit more expensive, then maybe you can either save some money and then um, maybe commit to it or start at the lower end and then work your way up. Um, but either way, uh, these are some amazing uh, websites and they came from Urban Taste Bud, uh, their website. which uses and produces the toxic chemicals known as PFAS, buys four companies that remove PFAS from water. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club Sierra magazine in the May-June 2020 issue. So we've reached the time in the program where we're going to talk about the Eco Company Spotlight it's a fun time in uh, the program where we talk about amazing companies that are doing great environmentally, that have great products, great services, and I've been reviewing them for a while now. There are so many that I've talked about since February 2019. I love getting to share these with you, to you know, uh, showing you know how I've experienced them and what I love most about them, and, and rating some of the newer uh, types of brands and companies out there. And it's been super, super fun, and one of the most, um, uh, I think, best ones that I've had uh, so far and still continue to use is this one, and it's called uh, Simply Nature. So Simply Nature is an Aldi brand and it operates out of um, 2,000 stores across the 36 U.S. states. So Aldi is a pretty big store and it's a private company and it was first founded in 1976. And in the year 2019, Forbes named Aldi one of the country's best large employers and best employers for new grads. One of, three of the uh, top core values of Aldi are uh, number one, consistency. So that means being reliable to the customers. Number two is simplicity in there being efficiency in the work that they do do. And, and number three, to being responsible and having responsibility to people, to customers, to partners and the environment. So that is really great news to hear. Aldi is amazing and with Simply Nature, their products, they are great because they're made without high fructose corn syrup uh, and uh, no hydrogenated um, oils or partially hydrogenated, uh, hydrogenated oils and without 125 other types of ingredients. They are USDA certified organic. They are non-GMO project verified ingredients. They don't have any artificial ingredients and they are preservative free and most often they have uh, recyclable packaging. It just depends on the product. 
So to learn more about the Simply Nature brand, just go to aldi.us, uh, so www.aldi.us, and then go to products, and then go to shop by Aldi brand, and then uh, go below, and then click on show more, and then explore uh, Simply Nature. Now, Simply Nature holds a lot of different uh, types of foods that are under the brand. So they have, you know, dairy and eggs, frozen foods, fresh meat and seafood, uh, snacks, bakery and bread, uh, breakfast and cereals, pantry essentials, um, beverages and deli items. All those are kind of covered under what uh, Simply Nature has to offer. So for me, I've experienced um, a heap load of their products, um, and I'll name off uh, them. So I've experienced when it comes to fresh produce, their organic uh, chopped kale and their organic spring mix, uh, their organic blueberries, their organic ground beef, and their snacks like their raspberry fruit strips, their blue corn tortilla chips, and their multi multi-grain tortilla chips. As far as their uh, bread and uh, types of grains and cereals, I've uh, eaten their uh, Seedtastic 21 Whole Grains and Seeds Bread and their other one, their Oatso Honey, um, Honey Oat Bread, and then also their breakfast items and uh, ones like their organic um, coconut and chia granola and their organic chocolate chip chewy granola bars. I've had all of these and so I love their fresh fruits um, and vegetables more. Um, their ground beef is great but I don't eat ground beef a ton but I do love that it's organic. It's, it's perfect. Um, I love that their containers are huge. Like those uh, solid containers matter. I do wish that their blueberry container was uh, recyclable because sometimes you'll have the, the frozen items and they're not in recyclable packaging unless you're talking about their fries or something like that, which isn't sim under Simply Nature. Um, I do love their raspberry fruit chips. Those are pretty amazing. Can't get those everywhere. But their chip bags, I wish that they had more chips in them um, because as much as you want to pay for something organic, uh, you want to get as many chips as you can and not have, I felt like you're eating like 25% of the bag um, when you paid, you know, a, a good amount of money. It's not too, too expensive, but I just think that whatever money you pay for food, you should get the, uh, the full amounts worth. Uh, I love their breads. Um, a comment about them is that I do, um, they do last a bit. Uh, but sometimes uh, with their breads in general, with the packaging, it's just um, there's an internal layer of plastic with the with the bread to make it, I guess, seal better. But sometimes if you're not careful, that bottom uh, part of the inside of uh, the plastic um, that's supposed to close it, it may have holes in it and may not be properly sealed. So, you know, air is getting in and next thing you know, you're having molded bread when you had it for probably a week probably less than two weeks and it's already molded it's not good news um i do love the rest of their foods um the breakfast cereals i'm a fan a big fan of the coconut organic coconut and chia granola that's perfect with some coconut milk i'll eat it just like that um and the chewy granola bars are amazing because i love you know chewy bars i'm not a fan of crunchy granola even though i do love the term that uh you know people try to 
um, um, brush all hippies with is being those who love like crunchy granola and just being crunchy granola types. Um, but I, I love um, their products. You know, on a on a on a good scale, it's about four four point five to five uh, green thumbs up for me. So, you know, their products have lots and lots of variety. Their prices are amazing. Anyone who shops at Aldi regularly knows this. And they're pretty tasty overall. Again, I'm a fan of the fresh uh, uh, vegetables and fruits. So the blueberries and their spring mixes, the kale is off the charts. Um, their bread I'm a fan of. I just wish that the packaging was a bit better. Um, the chips, they can be improved on. They can be improved. The the uh, raspberry fruit strips, I love. They'll never stop those. And the breakfast cereals and granola bars are a mainstay. Um, like I said before, the packaging needs to be improved with uh, the bread. And the tortilla, tor tortilla chips need to be improved as far as like getting more or like a bigger size. Um, but they, they do try to, to, to make that work. You know, the organic... Um, uh, ability of it is is fine um, but just getting more plenty more chips um, for what you're paying for uh, I love that uh, with the prices if it, it is pretty low um, but depending on the item you know they're all in US dollars so it's not that uh, much uh, variability with it uh, but it's it's great overall uh, with Simply Nature, it can be found uh, in store most often, but it's on a few other places online. So like on Amazon, Instacart, it's on uh, it's at Walmart, and it's um, definitely at Aldi. Um, you may find that other stores in the U.S., but you'll be hard-pressed uh, to try and find it. Uh, Simply Nature uh, can be found on uh, all these pages and other uh, types of brands that Aldi carries can be found on their social media platforms. On Facebook at Aldi USA. They're on Instagram at Aldi USA, all lowercase one word, A L D I U S A. They're on LinkedIn at Aldi USA. They're on Pinterest at Aldi USA. They're on Twitter at Aldi USA. And they're also on YouTube at Aldi USA. So to contact Aldi, and learn more about their Simply Nature brand, be sure to check out their website, www.aldi.us, that's A-L-D-I.us, and then go to contact us at the bottom of their website to email them or message them. This has been a good episode. Uh, it's been one of the uh, different type of podcast episodes I've kind of done because I don't really talk too much about um, plants as a whole, but you know, since uh, talking about you know being indoors and the coronavirus, uh, this was I think a, a nifty topic to you know explore and to talk about because uh, ironically, you know, some of these house plants I've actually had and and still have, um, and so it's it's great because I, I love. Uh, getting to talk about something that's a bit new but also familiar in some ways and I, I'm glad to have shared uh, some of my um, nostalgia um, around houseplants and um, and for those who maybe want to you know have a green thumb or even be interested in the topic you know and sharing this podcast episode um, I would love for you to do that. I want to thank you for always tuning in, you know, coming back and exploring the, the different uh, topics covered here. Always something fresh. 
I'm going to try to make it, you know, fun and we all learn something new. Um, so thank you. Uh, thank you a million times for always coming back and sharing, you know, the podcast and, um, you know, telling friends and family. It's great. So um, until next time, thank you again so much. And I want you to please take care of yourselves and as well as the planet. And you all be well. Be safe. Bye. Thank you.